Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Believe in Vanderbilt football podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Anchor down. Here in Nashville, I'm Matt Perkins. I appreciate you being here with me today, so don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. You know the drill. On today's show, we're going to be taking a look at new offensive coordinator Todd Fitch, who comes over from Louisiana Tech and brings some interesting schemes and concepts, but has a bit of a questionable track record. Before we are joined once again by my good friend, Coach Corey Burton, we can't forget to... Corey, how you doing today? Man, I couldn't be better. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking about football. E- even in these trying, unprecedented times, it's it's good to, to get in and, and talk a little ball. And so I'm fired up, and Vandy fans, you should be too. Well, I think that there is a lot to look forward to when the college football season happens in whatever form it happens. But one of the big offseason storylines was Coach Mason getting rid of both of his coordinators pretty late in the offseason. You know, you know, during the middle of bowl season when the doors were not playing, uh, he replaced Gary Godowski with. Todd Fitch and Todd Fitch is, you know, very much like uh, our friend Ted Roof, someone who has a lot of experience and Coach Mason is clearly leaning into this idea of experience on the sidelines. And I think that that could pay real dividends for this team coach. But schematically, what is he going to bring to Nashville to jumpstart an offense that, frankly, has not really been able to get off the ground in a couple of years. Well, I think I think if you trace the lineage of Vanderbilt offense, and I think you've been to enough games now to know that what is the one adjective that you would use to describe Vanderbilt's offense up until now? Vanilla. Okay, so what Todd Fitch is going to bring simply put, is that he is very creative. He's very innovative. And I think that with the stints that he's had as offensive coordinator, and even in the less successful stints, I think that he has learned and gotten better at every stop. And most most notably, or most recently at Louisiana Tech, uh, he's I think he ranked uh, 37th in total offense which I think he was averaging 436 yards a game, 32 points a game. And uh, I believe in the passing game, they had about 64% completion percentage. Uh, So he's highly efficient. And I think that comes with him just understanding the flow of a game and understanding that, hey, I'm not going to run to set up the pass or pass to set up the run. I'm just going to 
I'm just going to manipulate different players on the defense and put people in conflict. And I think that's, I think that's starting to become an overarching philosophy because, you know, coming into this year and, and just kind of the, what you would guess, Matt, as uh, base philosophies is, oh, I'm a run first guy or I'm, I'm, you know, I'm Mike Leach. I'm going to, I'm going to throw the ball, sling the ball around the yard, which that, you know, the common fan is thinking, okay, well, he's a run first guy. So if we don't see 70% run, then, you know, this guy's full of, you know, what? So what you're starting to see now philosophy wise and Ted Roof, uh, we talked about him as being, I'm going to do, I'm going to fit my scheme around my players. Todd Fitch is not necessarily like that. He's like that in a very, very small way in which scheme wise, schematically wise, he's going to find the soft spots in, in, in the defense. He's going to, he's going to find different ways to put perimeter defenders in conflict and he's going to make them wrong every single time, which is why you saw they racked up a lot of yards, which is why you saw they scored a lot of points. And if you watch their highlights, he's got guys running wide open. He's got wide open run lanes. Uh, they're making big. They're a big play offense that that hits on all. That when they're on, they are on fire. Uh, and I watched. I actually watched the uh, the Texas game because I wanted to see kind of how they did against uh, a Power Five opponent. And even though they were overwhelmed, and I think a lot of that was strength and conditioning and recruiting, they moved the ball on Texas, and they moved it almost effortlessly. Uh, if if that's if that's possible. Now that of course Texas defense made a few big plays and put it behind the sticks, but they were able to recover. So, so Matt, they have a, uh, on paper, like, uh, I guess if you're game planning against Louisiana Tech, they, they appear to have a very complex passing scheme, which um, if you really look at it, they mix, ma- they mix and match comp, uh, they mix and match concepts um, as far as single route concepts. Uh, they have a, uh, they have when they go three by one. They have uh, tags for the solo guy, uh, so they have a lot of single concepts over there, which is quick game type stuff. Or um, if if a team's very super aggressive in man coverage, they might have a double move scheme uh, built in. And then they have, uh, I think they have a list of six different concepts, and they can they can have some variations within those six concepts that they have, and and they usually tag. Uh, the concept, and then if they want to vary that concept, they will tag the inside routes as well. So it's just a uh, complex communication scheme in which uh, they can dictate kind of where they attack by just adding a word. And and it looks like it's a completely new scheme, which it's not. So how hard is that going to be to pick up for the players who have you know been under – obviously a very different system for the past couple seasons. As far as learning the concepts, not very much time, but as far as developing the timing of running those routes, that'll, that'll, that'll take a minute. Um, and, and with the, with the circumstances, the way they are, Matt, I, I think you're going to see a lot of growing pains. Um, and, and, and as they're getting their timing, they're going to, as they start to click, it'll get better and better and better. I think. I certainly hope so. 
because obviously when you have coordinator change and we have it here on both sides of the ball, but especially on the offensive side of the ball, those, you know, spring ball typically is where you really get to sort of just learn and grow as a team. And it is really difficult, obviously, with there being no spring ball. Obviously, summer camp is going to be a protracted uh, well, what, what was good, Matt, is that Vanderbilt was able to get a few practices in before they shut everything yeah, down. Yeah, that's true. So, so, that's true. So that's going to, that's going to, so they've at least got a couple of days of install in. So they've got the base concepts in. So they're ahead of the game in that regard. So, but this, but what does that mean with, with the growing pains? We don't know because, again, they've, they've got, They've got new players uh, in a lot of different spots. I mean, they they lose a ton of talent going off that offense, namely uh, Keyshawn Vaughn and uh, Pinkney, who I think was there for I think was there for twelve years. Felt like it. Felt like it. Uh, they're going to be sorely missed. Kaliza Lipscomb. You know, you're bringing a new quarterback in Deuce Williams, who. You know, what uh, was was a, was a highly ranked recruit, but there's a lot of unknown with him. Yeah, there's a lot of unknown everywhere. So that's good news and bad news because you're young. It's going to be bad news at the beginning of the year, but as they grow, I mean, the circumstances are going to level the playing field a lot. So you've got that as not necessarily an advantage, but it's not as big of a disadvantage because a lot of people are in the same boat, even if they have experienced rosters, they're in the same boat because they just don't get those extra practices. And so it's not as, it's not as big of a gap. So as you grow, this team could become nasty within a couple of years um, if everything stays in place, which I think Todd Fitch is going to show that he's, he's with his, you know, he's creative, he's innovative. He has a good flow of the game. Uh, he has a good understanding of the game and, and kind of how, uh, to manipulate a defense now because he's seen so many different fronts that he knows he can anticipate what they're going to do. So I, I think it's, I think it's exciting. I think it's uh, something that, you know, after game two, if you're judging the offense after game two, you know, you may need to pump the brakes on that a little bit uh, because it may not, it's definitely not going to be the same as it's going to be in week 10. And, uh, you know, I, I've, I've been on a show uh, talking about Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, and it's the same way because there's so much timing involved in this offense um, in a different way uh, than Lane Kiffin's offense down at Ole Miss. But still, there's an immense level of timing because there's so many variations of, of the passing game. He's not necessarily fit into a box of run to run to pass, pass to run. You know, there's not a certain percentage. He's just going to do what's that? He may run more one game. He may throw more one game. He may be even one game. He, you know, he may be more run heavy in the first half. He may be more run heavy. You don't know because you don't know how the flow of the game is going to go. So uh, to judge it after a few games is probably not going to be fair. Um, but uh, understand that it's going to develop or it should develop. And it sh- the timing should get there. And it should, by the time they hit the meat of their conference schedule, they should be 
moving the ball, putting some points up, and working towards getting those wins. So um, does does Derek Mason have the luxury of waiting for all of that? I don't know. He may, uh, Matt. I don't know if you, I don't know if you have any inkling on it. I think he bought himself some time by hiring some new coordinators. Um, he's not, depending on who you ask, he's not necessarily in great standing with some fans. The, uh, you know, yeah, but I think he's in good standing with the administration, and at this point, that matters more. Exactly for and, and, him. And, in and particular. the pressure's mounting. If we're being honest, the pressure's mounting. Well, of course, the pressure's mounting. After you go three and nine, the pressure's always going to mount. Exactly. But and I, I think, think that, you know, for better or for worse, you know, unless they are winless this year, I think you can throw a lot of stuff out the door because of COVID. And my my biggest concern with the Bill Fitch hiring is, you know, obviously he's been in the game of football coaching in the collegiate ranks for 35 years. But he spent 19 of those years with a member of the Holtz family, Lou Skip or both. And his greatest successes have all been with Skip Holtz. You think of the ECU run in the late 2000s, then South Florida in the early 2010s, Louisiana Tech um, over the last four seasons. You know, those have been his best successes, and those have all been right alongside Skip Holtz. And so, you know, the thing is that when they were apart from each other, they both failed. So they, they got back together at Louisiana Tech in 2016. And, you know, either there was some magic in the water in Ruston or those two have a chemistry and breaking them up might be, you know, uh, you know, you know, maybe this time we will see, you know, who the brains of the operation was because his stint at Boston College was not the prettiest. No, it wasn't. And there's a lot of factors. There's a lot of factors going to everything. Let's let's just be real about that. Um, but also, let's be real that there there is a legitimate concern that um, the same with Ted Roof. But there's a legitimate concern that this guy can't function without Skip Holtz. And who's really running the show? And we don't know what we're going to get in that regard. Hopefully, for Vandy's sake, that at least part of that rubbed off on him. And at least after spending all this time and after the learning experience in 2015 at Boston College, where it didn't go so well, maybe he picked up a few things like with Ed Orgeron. Let's look at Ed Orgeron as an example. It's slightly different, but walk with me here. Ed Orgeron. Ole Miss, disaster. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? I mean, disaster is a pretty strong term, so yeah, that's appropriate. Yeah, disaster. Okay. Um, goes to, you know, bounces around. Um, at some point ends up at USC. Uh, late Lane Kiffin gets fired. Uh, the position of interim head coach comes available, and they pass him up. Again, his reputation is a disaster. You know, he's, he's a loose cannon. Well, he comes to LSU. He ends up at LSU. Interim job comes up again. He gets it. Well, he's probably, you know, fortunately for him, and fortunately now for LSU because they got a national championship, uh, he learned from his mistakes, and he allowed himself to get the interim job. And then he made some mistakes along the way when he got the 
permanent head job at LSU. Um, and then he learned from those again and actually hired a great offensive staff. And you get what you got in 2019 with probably one of the most productive offenses in the history of college football uh, with Joe Burrow and um, all the first round receivers that they had. Um, so going back now, how does that apply to Todd Fitch? Well, maybe he takes that, we'll call it a disaster. Um, maybe that's too much. The 2015 Boston college offense was pretty, pretty bad. I mean, that was a, that was a team that went, I think three and nine and lost their, lost their last seven or eight games. I think they averaged less than 14 points a game or something like something stupid like that. Um, and it was really bad. Um, when that you take season, the they were assists. 125th in total offense, 124th yeah, in passing was, offense, 120th in scoring offense, averaging 17.2 points per game. And that included a 76 nothing victory over Howard. So you take, you, you take that out and, you know, they're only – you know they only they only beat one FBS team in Northern Illinois. Their other two wins were over Maine and Howard. Yeah, and you take out the hundred points they scored against those those two teams, and it gets really abysmal. So, how does that apply now? Well, maybe he learned some things from that, and maybe he, in his latest stint with Skip Holtz, maybe he's going to put it all together. You certainly, you certainly hope so, and and we don't know because we were, we weren't down in Ruston. Uh, I don't have a connection down in Ruston. I don't believe you do. No, I don't. May, unfortunately, no. Might you might surprise me? I don't know. Uh, so we don't know how much of it was, you know, was was Skip driving this whole thing? Was Todd Fitch? Did Todd Fitch actually have full control? We don't know. But guess what? We're gonna find out. We're going to find um, out. And on top of that, I think that either way, his offensive scheme has grown leaps and bounds in the last four seasons. And I feel like he is a different coordinator than he was even uh, you know the first time around with Skip. And definitely a different person than he was at Boston College. So I feel like, you know, a lot of time, you know, everyone these days is hiring the young, hot coordinator, right? The young, hot, up and coming position coach should be the next coordinator. You know, we're seeing guys, you know, hiring coordinators who are 27, 28 years old, that kind of thing. And, you know, you know, there is something to be said for that. But I also think that there is, especially at a school like Vanderbilt, something to be said for someone who has the experience of, you know, uh, having molded and worked with a lot of different kind of players in their careers and, you know, having, you know, sort of changed their approach to the game, being able to marry those two things in, you know, the challenge of SEC football, obviously being a, a bit of an optimist, you know, you, you never know what could happen. But I do feel like that there are at least the seeds of a uh, successful offensive scheme here now depending on how long it's going to take to get that to mesh with the talent and the current, you know, pandemic situation uh, is leaves a lot to the unknown. But at the same time, there is definite reason for optimism here. And we're about to see how good his time management, just to piggyback on that, we're, we're about to see how good his time management is going to be uh, given the circumstances. So, but I think for Vanderbilt, this is a very, very good hire because it is a risky hire, but it is a risky hire that could pay off. 
And I mean, Vanderbilt was three and nine last year. So really what direction do you have to go? I mean, you lose, you get your butt kicked against UNLV at home. I mean, you can only go up from there. So why not hire a guy with a ton of experience that's been successful recently? Yeah, he has a couple black eyes, uh, mostly looking f- mostly looking at the Boston College years or year or whatever you want to call that. Well, it's a three years there, but one year as the nominal offensive coordinator. Yeah, and it was a, it was an utter disaster. So, um, like I said, describe that stint however you want to describe it. Um, three years felt like one. It was bad. I don't know, but that's the uh, that's the risk you have to take if you're. Three and nine Vanderbilt. You know, I I do think though that one guy who's got to be really excited about this though is Mike Wright, the incoming uh, true freshman quarterback coming out of uh, College Park, Georgia at Woodward Academy. He is, you know, he he was a you know borderline top ten quarterback in this recruiting class, and he is someone that, uh, you know, I, I feel like you know had he had a full had a, a full summer camp, maybe could take the reins pretty early on, but he is someone that could really I feel like thrive in Fitch's system. Yeah, I mean, let's let's not beat around the bush here. I think, um, you know, I, I think he's a smart guy. Woodward Academy is a great school. I mean, he's a guy that could probably, honestly, come in and compete right away. I think he's somebody. I feel like, you know, you're not you, you don't become that successful and not be able to pick up the offense right away. You know, I think he's somebody that that could latch on and, and, and do some big things. Yeah. So obviously Deuce Wallace will get the first crack of it come fall camp, but nonetheless uh, it will be interesting to see what Mike Wright can do during his time on campus. So with that, that's going to wrap it up for us here today. So coach, thank you so much for joining me to talk coordinators. Uh, I really appreciate your time and we will catch all of you guys next time on the Believe in Vanderbilt Football podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Anchor down. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.